Welcome to Sunday School Dropouts, the podcast where an ex-Christian and a non-believing sort of Jew read all the way through the Bible for the first time. My name is Nico Bakulich. And I'm Lauren O'Neill. And let's get biblical. And let's get biblical. Just like the song says. But before we do, you gotta know some stuff. Mm-hmm. Such as I'm the ex-Christian. I was raised Presbyterian. I'm now an atheist. And I'm the non-believing sort of Jew. The non-believing. Mm-hmm. I'm the non-believing I sort of Jew. I believe in Indian flatbread. <laughs> Every day of my damn life, baby. Um, also, this is not a Christian Bible study podcast. It's also not for young children's. Mm-hmm. Old children, like those who are children at heart. <laughs> if you're over 18, great. Mm. <laughs> this is an 18 plus mature podcast. I wasn't very mature when I was 18. Um, yes, you were. I knew you when you were 18. <laughs> Thanks. We started dating like not long after that. That's very sweet of you to say, actually. Um, so normally I read the New International Version. It's normally? So normally I read the New International Version. <laughs> yes. And you, This I like. <laughs> and you read something stupid that isn't Christian enough that's like actually academic or whatever. But that's not what we're doing today. No, because today we're covering another apocryphal book of the Bebel. And well, it's not in the Bible. Of the non-Bebel. Mm-hmm. This non-Bebel. <laughs> what what are we talking about today? We're talking about a thing. It's a book called The Acts of Peter. The Acts of Peter. Now, I'm going to give you some really fast facts. These are going to be like so fast. Okay. I'm, okay. I'm strapped in. Okay. So this is an apocryphal Acts book. Um, there's... As we know, one canonical Acts book that's in the regular old Bible, that's the Acts of the Apostles, which we just call Acts usually because mm-hmm. we don't need to distinguish it from all these other ones that didn't actually make it into the Bible. Um, didn't Acts actually make it into the Bible? There you go, I'll baby. take my answer off the air. Um, we have also done a couple other apocryphal Acts books on this show. Uh, we did Acts Paul and Thecla. We did two episodes on the Acts of Thomas because it was so ding-dang long. Mm-hmm. Um This one, the Acts of Peter, was written sometime in the late second century. Okay, so fairly early. Well, no, actually fairly Um, late. Well, uh, kind of in the middle in terms of like apocryphal acts. Okay, okay, good to Um, I think it's... See, I was right. Even when I was wrong. I I mean, also I could be wrong too. I'm going by like one book in Wikipedia. Um, But, so it was probably written in Greek, probably written in Asia Minor because it doesn't it gets like some details wrong about Rome, apparently. Mm. Ah, the saddest continent. Um, <laughs> it's it's just sort of melancholy. Mm-hmm. But wouldn't you rather listen to a song in Asia Minor than Asia Major? <laughs> sounds corny and like patriotic. Grating, yeah. yeah. Um, what we have today is like a bunch of fragments from different versions that are in different languages. Um, so. Anything goes. Sweet. Ace that's is wild like yeah, on that's Sunday way, school dropouts. That's the way I like my religion. Um, there's actually a few fragments that we're just not going to talk about because they don't relate to the main story and we're not sure if they even belong in the book. Uh, so we're just going to start with the longest version we have, which is in Latin. Mm. It's called the, oh fuck, I forget what it's called. The Vercelli Manuscript. It's exactly I what think. it's called, I think. Um, and uh, so it's not in the original language, but whatever, we're reading in English anyway. Yeah. I don't know. when. When's your translation from? My translation? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's I read it in the, the Bart Ehrman book, which quotes, uses the translation from like J.K. Simmons. Uh, so he was working in the 80s and 90s. I yeah, think. something like that. He may still be with us and contributing to the field. I'm just... Yeah, something relatively contemporary. Mine was old school. It's from like the 20s. So they Oh, were... right. Because yours is from like 
mysticalwritings.biz or whatever. It's earlychristianwritings.org. <laughs> okay. So, should we get right into it? I think we should. Uh, so, in case people don't remember, and why would you, other of the Apocryphal Acts books, they were to feed the hunger that people had for that sweet miracle tent. Yes. And, you know. And by tent, you mean content. Mm-hmm. For For the people who... Don't live with us and don't know that we talk about content as tent every day. <laughs> um, you mean those who aren't in the biz? <laughs> yeah, who aren't in the mysticalwritings.biz. So <laughs> I guess there's a little bit of debate about the, the first couple chapters that we're going to read and whether they really belong in this book, but we can get through them real quick. So we actually start not with Peter, but with Paul, mm-hmm. um, who's at the shiny new Christian church in Rome. And is now preparing to go found an even shinier, newer one in Spain. And everyone is real sad that he's leaving. Um, Real quick before he goes, he paralyzes this woman, Rufina, who tries to take communion even though she's been sleeping around. And he's just like, not you, you slut. And everyone's like, yes, God is so great. Well, she's into it, too. (laughs) She's like, hey, can I, I would really want to, I want to be something other than a flea bag of some kind. And I'd like to be paralyzed if possible. Um, and also she can't speak anymore. So mm-hmm. that's that's um, great. So I, yeah, everyone's like, yes, I love God. I love Paul. I hate women. Great. Paul leaves. Now, with Paul gone, a little man named Simon Magus, or Magus. Mm-hmm. How do you want to pronounce it? Simon Magus? Simon of Simon Magus. That's what I want to do. Meaning, you know, Simon the Magician. Yeah. He sees his chance. Now, do you hear a little sound? It's the sound of a second round of fast facts. What? So in the Acts of the Apostles, the one that's in the official Bible, we did read about uh, Simon Magus or in the, in the NIV. Let's go back to Magus. I like Magus. Magus? It sounds a little like maggot, though. Mm-hmm. Simon Simon Magoose? <laughs> Mr. Magoose. <laughs> Simon the sorcerer mm-hmm. in the in the NIV. Um we did meet him briefly. I like that. Let's do that. Simon the sorcerer. Simon the sorcerer. This is like back behind the scenes stuff. <laughs> we're we're just being really open. Yeah, we're, we're being, being really transparent real, you know? about our process. Mm-hmm. So in the real acts, in Acts of the Apostles, Peter and John like do some miracles and Simon the sorcerer is very impressed mm-hmm. and he converts to Christianity and then he is like teach me those secret tricks yeah and he's like I'll pay you any amount of money mm-hmm. and they're like that's not how this works we're not about paying people for tricks um that was in in Samaria so I like I was going to say that's in John paying people for tricks is in John <laughs> So they're interacting with him in Samaria, and it's before Paul converts. Paul is still going around throwing Christians in jail. So now we're like later in time, and this is supposed to be kind of a sequel to that. Mm. Whoever wrote this had read Acts of the Apostles. Mm -hmm. Um, In my NIV study Bible, there's a footnote about Simon the Sorcerer. And it says that in early Christianity, in in extra biblical texts, he was discussed as an arch heretic, 
and the father of Gnosticism. Mm. And one of the places that that footnote is referring to is this very text that we are reading for this very episode. Oh, they quote extra extra biblical stuff in your study Bible? That's weird. I think that would be really opening themselves up to a can of worms. I know. They use it very selectively. (laughs) Um, But so this book, The Acts of Peter, was written by somebody from the proto-Orthodox branch of early Christianity. Makes sense. um, Which is called that because, you know, it eventually became the Orthodox slash Catholic slash whatever church that became what we have today. The big shiny boy. You know him. And um, the proto-Orthodox church spent a lot of time trying to criticize and defeat another branch of early Christianity, which was called Gnosticism. Mm -hmm. Now, if you haven't heard any of our episodes on Gnostic texts and you don't know anything about Gnosticism, basically here's what you need to know. They believed that there was a real perfect God up in this special heaven, but Earth was created by a shitty lesser God. And Jesus was sent by the real God to help give worthy humans the secret knowledge or gnosis that they needed to rejoin the real God in the real heaven. As a faith tradition, I would describe it as unnecessarily wacky. Mm -hmm. Or bad or stupid. (laughs) But um, the proto-Orthodox people at the time who were trying to shut it down made up stuff to make it look even stupider. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's what Simon Magus is standing for here. He's he's you know a conjurer of cheap tricks, as as Gandalf says he is not. And so we join our story. Yes, this little man rubbing his little hands together, like, all right, Paul is gone. I already got kicked out of Samaria, <laughs> but now I'm in Rome, and I've got my chance. And he's like, everyone worship me because I'm magic. And to prove he's magic, he flies over a gate. Yeah, he flies into Rome. Yeah. And tells everybody, hey, I'm here now and I've got secrets you wish you had. And interestingly, it describes it as like he he like disappears and then like smoke goes over the gate mm-hmm. and then he reappears. It's like. Well, the book is dropping breadcrumbs for us. Yeah, it is. It's know? like dropping breadcrumbs. It's like this is kind of like an illusion, Michael. Mm-hmm. You know, this isn't like a real uh, miracle. Right. You can tell because he didn't pray to God beforehand. Yeah, obviously. So Peter heads over from Jerusalem to Rome to sort things out with this this little bad Gandalf. The sneaky wizard. Yeah. Um, And obviously, you know, he converts the captain on the boat on the way, whatever. (laughs) He can't help himself. He like dunks him in the ocean with a rope for the Mm -hmm. baptism. (laughs) It's kind of cool. And they arrive. um, They meet this guy. Ariston, who's like, okay, thank God you're here. This this bad Gandalf is here. Actually, it's as wicked Jew, but like, yes. <laughs> you know, we can call him a sneaky snorcerer. Uh, a sneaky wanted. snorcerer, a dirty Dumbledore. <laughs> He's making everyone worship him, and you got to talk some sense to these people. Um, and they tell him that Simon is staying with this Roman senator named Marcellus. That's the big test: is that they say. He's even got Marcellus believing him. Yeah. And Marcellus is supposed to be a very wise and virtuous man. Yeah. And he used to be a big Christian mm. when Paul was here. He was all about Paul and he was following Jesus and he was giving money to the poor. Um, now he just worships Simon. So, you know, Peter gives some speeches about the power of Christ mm-hmm. and how he's going to defeat the devil. 
and then he heads to Marcellus's house. Where there's a very strange scene that plays out. Yes. So, so s- Peter knows Simon is there. Yeah. And he's like, hey, let me in. And the guard's like, they told me just to say they weren't home. I love that guard. The guard, the <laughs> the guard, guard says, is very disloyal. The guard's like, hey, uh, I can't let you in. And Simon is here, but he told me to say that he wasn't here. Like, no matter what. And so Peter's Peter like, has well, an interesting solution to this problem. Mm-hmm. He uh, he points to a dog that's tied up nearby, and he makes the dog uh, he gives the dog the power of speech, mm-hmm. and he makes the dog run into the house or the like villa or like compound or whatever. I'm sure it's like not just a house; it's a home. <laughs> run up to Simon, stand on two legs. And uh, tell him Peter is here to see him. So Marcellus sees this. And Marcellus apparently just immediately converts to the religion of whoever he last saw do a magic trick. (laughs) (laughs) So he immediately repents. And he's like, oh, my God, I'm sorry that it took two seconds for me to forget about Jesus. It was just like when you guys left, I hadn't seen a miracle in like two days. And then then this Simon Simon guy shows up. So I built a statue of him that's like labeled Simon the Young God. (laughs) A but bit I'm, ambitious for Simon, don't you think? But I'm going to do Just better this time. Start small with some patronage. Take your time. Build your following. Don't go immediately to the larger-than-life statue and title The Young God. Peter, Although Young God is my rap name. <laughs> I think that is actually a rap, a rap name in the rap game. Peter, for some reason, forgives him. I mean, I guess that's what Christianity is all about. For uh, some reason. And uh, at this point... A demon-possessed man in the crowd outside the house. He knows what's going on inside the house because of his demon. The demon knows. And the demon (laughs) tells everyone that Simon and the dog are in there arguing. And Simon is telling the dog to just tell Peter that he's not here. (laughs) Which I just think is... (laughs) Imagine if a dog came up and was like, hey, Peter is here to see you in human language. And you're just like, tell him I'm not here. Yeah. (laughs) Like, is that your reaction? It's great though. the The idea that Simon would argue with the dog with a dog scenario. and be like, "Dog, come on, bro, don't bust my balls, man." And then Peter exercises the demon from this man, mm-hmm. which causes the man to run and jump and kick a marble statue into pieces, which is awesome. The statue is not, however, the one of Simon, which you think would be the natural target. It is actually one of Caesar. And Marcellus is very upset because now he thinks he's going to get in trouble with, like, the emperor because he's, he's a senator. He's a senator, yeah. And uh, Peter's like, okay, you literally just said that you were all in with Jesus, <laughs> um, but, but fine. Now his fucking job's on the line. I'll miraculously heal the statue, like, whatever, just trying to get you on board. <laughs> yeah, this story is not obeying the law of the economy of statues in oh, storytelling. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's if not following Chekhov's statue. Mm-hmm, if you introduce a statue mere moments before and then somebody else destroys an, a different statue, you're you're con- confusing the reader unnecessarily. Unnecessarily. Cut to inside where the dog and Simon are still arguing. <laughs> it's like, it goes over this literally like three times where it, it just keeps reiterating. Like the dog is saying, I'm a talking dog and I'm telling you to go out there. And Simon, or yeah, and Simon's like, just tell him I'm not here. <laughs> so Simon is losing an argument with a talking dog. Yeah, and the dog is also like, why would I, <laughs> a talking dog, 
cover for you like I'm your roommate and your ex just came over. I just met you. <laughs> or maybe I didn't, but this is certainly the first time we're is speaking. Is this really how you want to play this? <laughs> so on the all-time power rankings of miracles, <laughs> where at the top, I guess, is like bringing somebody back from the dead. Mm-hmm. And way down at the bottom of the list is like petty, <laughs> cranky shit, you know, like cursing the fig tree. OK. Or I would say saving that one party that one time. OK. Water into wine. I mean, that's amazing. Well, where are you going to where are you going to put it? Uh, it's like halfway up because <laughs> it's petty, but it's awesome. OK. Where do you think a talking dog talking dog falls? I mean, for me personally, as a dog lover. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put it at like a 7.5. Wow. I would love to talk to some dogs. If they had hard truths to tell me. Mm-hmm. I mean, who else? I, I would rather hear it from a dog. Oh, yeah. They'd be like bad news dogs? Not necessarily. Not they just would just be like, dog. hey, I love you. I'm very loyal to you. You got to do better on this. I would be like, I can't disappoint this dog. Damn it. He's right. Um, lie to your therapist all week, but you will. <laughs> but, never lie to your dog in a tragic twist the dog comes back outside tells peter like yeah this is this guy's a douchebag he's it's this isn't working and then he dies <laughs> the dog dies see that's that's why i wanted to say that this was a very low tier miracle because a not only is there no reason for it like people can already talk yeah, and you could just send a knows, person in. He already knows that Simon is there, and it doesn't even get Simon to come out. Simon just comes out later of his own volition. So he just kills a dog for no reason. <laughs> Put this on doesthedogdie.com. Yes, in the act of Peter, yes, the talking dog does die. I guess it convinces Marcellus, but like it seems like you could pretty much just say hi to Marcellus and well, convince him. I, okay, same with the crowd, because there's, there's a crowd now, and they're very impressed by the talking dog. Um, but they're kind of like, uh, what else you got? Because, like, we mainly base our religion on who does the best magic tricks. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, maybe Jesus. I guess this is beyond the heyday of the Colosseum. when are right. starved for entertainment. <laughs> Jesus redeemed us with his blood, you know, that we may share eternal life in the kingdom of heaven or whatever. But, like, what I want to know is what's your magic style? Because, mm-hmm. like, like, Simon flew over a gate and... You know. And people are still talking about that gate shit. Yeah. Are you are you props guy? Are you card guy? Mm-hmm. Close you know? up magic? Yeah. How's your how's your find the lady? How's your one handed force? Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter sees a smoked tuna fish in a shop window. It's a, it's a tuna in your translation? Yes. It's a herring in mine. Oh my! What the hell? What species of fish is this? I don't know. I mean, because herring are much smaller than tuna. That's true. Tuna are very big. That's true. Although they can be small also. Hmm. I mean, this was probably caught from the Mediterranean. To herring. Are there, are there tuna? tuna? In, are there tuna in the Mediterranean? Are there herring? I think herring is being very Nordic. Okay, well, anyway, there's a fish. <laughs> Our lack of fish knowledge is exposed. Um, a smoked fish. Mm. Um, and Peter says, if you see this fish swimming in the water, will you believe in Jesus? And they're like, sure. So, direct quote. This is this is from my translation. So he went to the pond nearby, saying, In your name, O Jesus Christ, in whom they do not yet believe, I say, Tuna, in the presence of all these, live and swim like a fish. Throws a tuna in the pond, starts swimming. 
says he makes it swim for over an hour. And it actually has people uh, throwing bread in the pond for the reanimated tuna. You know what I noticed? There's a translator's note in mind that it also says sardine, possibly sardine. Possibly sardine. So nobody knows what fish this is. Man, why, did they, why didn't they just say fish? It's a fishery. I don't know. It's a f- fish story. Okay, anyway, Marcellus is like, fuck you, Simon. I'm in with this fish guy. <laughs> um, and kicks him out. So Simon uh, goes over to the house where Peter is staying, which is with a uh, a church elder named Narcissus. And he's like, you know, come out and fight me. Uh, and, quote, I will prove you believed in a Jewish man and the son of a carpenter. Right. Saying, so Simon's big gamble, and mm-hmm. we'll get into this a little bit later, but his big gamble is that he knows Jesus was a real person and hmm. not a... A god. A god. As the Romans think of gods. Mm-hmm. Although they do think of, like, the emperor as a god, so whatever. But, like, as we've established in the Fast Facts, the author probably didn't know how Rome worked. Mm. Um, but Peter now doesn't doesn't have any dogs around, so he sends down a woman with, like, a nursing infant. Mm-hmm. And, and the infant talks in a man's voice and tells Simon to fuck off and leave Rome until the Sabbath. It's, like a, it's just a foul-talking little baby. <laughs> I mean, it basically is. It, like, curses them. The crowd loves that, I'm sure. The crowd does. Rapping Granny next. Um, And Simon has to leave because he's magically forced to. Like, he has to leave until the Sabbath. Jesus then appears to Peter in a vision, and he's like, I saw your work with the dog and the fish and the baby, and I'm really impressed. You're totally not wasting <laughs> your powers at all. Um, when Simon gets back, y'all are going to have a little magic showdown and I'm going to give you a bunch of powers so you can win and convert people to Christianity. I'm not about feeding the poor radical forgiveness or whatever anymore. I'm pivoting. I'm a talking dog guy now. I'm a magic duelist. Yeah. Um, then there's a little interlude that may not be in the original manuscript, but whatever. We're just going to briefly cover it. Uh, where Peter tells the backstory about how he encountered Simon, mm-hmm. um, who he refers to also as Satan, uh, back in Judea, you know, in Samaria. Right. And he was like, this Simon guy begged me for magic powers yeah. back then. But yeah. I was like, you got to worship Christ. Yeah. Also, also Simon, like, used a magic trick to steal some woman's gold. Mm-hmm. And uh, Peter got it back for her and uh, kicked him out. Of like Samaria, Judea, which is why he had to go to Rome. Yeah, um, it was a little like case of the week thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was very much like, don't, don't. Who stole the gold? <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> okay, whatever. They're praying. They're fasting. Rip from the headlines. Um, who stole the gold? <laughs> Marcellus is like, hey, I'm really sorry about my bullshit. I. Ritually purified my house, even though that's like a Jewish thing and not a, a Roman Christian thing. Um, I brought in a bunch of widows and virgins shit for you to bless. Plus, I got so much like dirty money. Can we do something with this? Yeah, <laughs> it's like uh, this person brought me like 10,000 pieces of gold. This person brought me 5,000 pieces of gold. Um, And, you know, Peter goes and he heals the, you know, the widows that are blind. He heals them and he like blesses the virgins or whatever. Uh, Marcellus also has a very racist dream. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, 
there was this really ugly black woman in chains dancing. And so obviously that was the devil because I'm racist. Mm -hmm. Um, And then in the dream, Peter cut off her head and her limbs and saved me. Uh, So, you know, thank you, Peter. I'm racist. Thank you. I'm racist. Thank you. In the dream, uh, the simulacrum or simulacrum of Peter also asks Marcellus, he hands him a sword of truth, and he's like, destroy Satan. And Marcellus is like, I'm a senator. I've never killed anything in my whole life. I've barely (laughs) done any work in my whole life. I was born, you know, to a patrician family. I've never done anything. I'm also racist. Yeah. And so Peter's just like, okay, in that case, I'll do it for you. Which is like, come on. That's not how anything works. Yeah. I know. I thought that was weird, too. Um, I feel like my translation may have kind of hinted that he was like, I can't kill something because then I would be ritually impure. Oh, see, that would make more sense. In mine, it's like. Well, it wouldn't make sense because the Roman senator doesn't have Jewish <laughs> purity rituals, but whatever. Let's take a break. Yes, let's take a break and contemplate. Bye. Bye. Sunday School Dropouts. I'm Lauren. And I'm Sneeko. <laughs> That's not your name. I did it. I caught you. <laughs> um, we are talking about the apocryphal book of the Acts of Peter. And the big day is here. The day of the big magic competition. That's right. Regionals. Regionals. Peter and Simon are gathered in front of the crowd to have a magic off. But first, they got to do some trash talking. There was some nice scene setting, too, when Peter was getting getting himself all G'd up for the competition. Yeah. And Marcellus gives a little speech to the virgins and widows that are staying at his yes. place. And he's like, hey, guys, we got to go out there and support Peter at the big magic competition. <laughs> it's true. I saw them, setting up, the po- saw them setting up the podiums, podiums earlier. Going to be a sellout crowd. Podia. You're right. Please. They're speaking Latin. That's a great point. So he probably said... All right, y'all, <laughs> let's get ready for some magic ball. Peter starts off strong with the trash talk. Mm-hmm. He's like, um, A, you stole that woman's gold. B, you fucking begged me to pay me to teach you my magic. And I told you this isn't Harry Potter. This is real. So fuck you. And Simon's like, yeah, well, you worship a carpenter who got executed, which is obviously not God. Pretty persuasive to a Roman audience. Um, Peter comes back with some Hebrew scriptures and prophecies, uh, which he's, he acknowledges that his audience won't understand. Mm-hmm. 
And then he's like, but you know, whatever, uh, we're all here today for a top tier magic show. There's actually there's actually like also rules for this contest. And a judge. That are antithetical to Christianity. Yes. Um this Roman prefect, Agrippa, is the one who's going to, like, give them the challenge. And Agrippa is one of Nero's top guys. Nero is the emperor at the time. Um, And also they say, like, the crowd will pick the winner. And they, like, like they both agree. They're like, obviously the crowd will pick the winner. And it's like, okay, well, where I'm from, God picks the winner, but okay. <laughs> what a bunch of Roman idolaters. So the prefect says, okay, here's what we're going to do, test number one. Mm-hmm. First... We're going to kill somebody. Yeah. And then we're going to bring him back to life. Yes. And instead of, uh, you think Peter at this point as a Christian would be like, let's not kill anybody. Like, surely there's a better way. <laughs> but Peter doesn't. There's not a peep out of that out of that young man. Not a single marshmallow bunny. Mm-mm. So the first, I guess, Simon wins the toss or whatever. Or whatever. Because he gets first right, first uh Pick first trick, first trick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they send out a slave, and Simon leans down, whispers in his ear, and then the slave drops dead. Single word, drops dead. See, most of the magic that Simon does is like very easily explainable by like sleight of hand or like some weird trickery. Mm-hmm. But he like killed that guy by talking in his ear. You don't think he maybe sleight of hand like stabbed him in the kidney or whatever? Oh, he might have, or he might have had like. Like a poison needle under his tongue. Yeah. Or and like. Then just like. In Hamlet. Like snaked him. In Hamlet, you know. Mm-hmm. Of course, he, they uh, pour poison in the ear of the king. Yeah, and that kills him. So maybe he like spat a little poison in there. Wow. <laughs> um, at the same time, uh, one of the widows who Peter healed earlier shouts from the crowd that her only son has died. And Peter's like. I was so confused about this because I was like. Is the you, slave her son? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Did you just let your kid get killed for the demonstration? No. Yeah, I know. Separate, it's a separate guy. guy. And Peter's like, okay, I'm kind of in the middle of something right now. But, um, you know, have have some Christians go get him and, and bring him over here. And I'll see what I can do. And the prefect, Agrippa's like, okay, we're we're trying to run an event here, people. Uh, can you focus for a second on bringing the slave back to life? And Peter's like, yes, got it. Says a prayer. Tells the prefect to grab the slave's hand. And he does, and the slave comes back to life. And then the dudes who went to get the widow's son bring him in, and Peter brings him back to life, too. And the prefect's like, that was all part of the show. We had a plant in the audience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Classic magic show ruse, tip your bartender. Everyone's like, you know, yeah, Peter wins. Peter's God is definitely the real God. But now another mother of a dead son comes forward. Another and mother? Another mother. And this other mother is the mother of a senator brother. <laughs> so they bring this dead senator out. And Peter's like, okay, Simon, why don't you try and raise him from the dead? Mm. And Simon's like, okay. And for uh, naturally, because that's how it works in things like this, uh-huh. the crowd is like, okay, they've both been successful so far, and Peter has a bonus point. Yeah. But... Then Simon goes, if I raise this guy from the dead... Then I win and you have to kick Peter out. Right. So we're going to do a bunch of stuff and then we're going to totally discount everything that happened. And this will be the only test that matters. Yeah. Like it'll still it would still be like two to one in terms of people yeah. raised from the dead. So totally. Peter would still win. But not only. And Simon killed a man. Yeah. <laughs> but not only does everyone go along with this, 
they're also like, yeah, we won't just kick Peter out. We'll burn him alive. Yeah. <laughs> so like, we'll, up the ante here. We'll one up you. We're getting bored. We need blood. And so Simon does a trick where, again, it's like sleight of hand. I don't know exactly how totally. this works. Uh, totally. But he makes the, the, the dead corpse move and it, it opens its eyes and bows to Simon. Uh, direct quote from the text. And immediately they began to gather wood to burn Peter. <laughs> it's like immediately is in the text. That's how these people work. And so Peter's like, okay, can you guys calm down for one second? This is, I love that Peter, <laughs> Peter gets exasperated here. He <laughs> Actually, says, I think he's very patient. Now see I, ye people of Rome, that ye are, dash, I must not say fools in vain, so long as your eyes and your ears and your hearts are blinded. How long shall your understanding be darkened? See ye not that ye are bewitched, supposing that a dead man is raised who hath not lifted himself up? It would have sufficed me, ye men of Rome, to hold my peace and die without speaking and to leave you among the deceits of this world. But I have the chastisement of fire unquenchable before my yeah. eyes. He's like, I got to convert y'all or I'm going to hell. Mm-hmm. Um, And so he's like, look at this senator. Can he talk? Can he untie his own mummy bandages? No. <laughs> Simon just made a creepy puppet dead body puppet yeah it's a spooky mumsar and then they're like oh my god he's right let's burn simon and peter's like no 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 no, no. <laughs> you may have misunderstood don't burn simon we're not burning anyone and they're like we don't care we're burning simon <laughs> and then peter's like no somebody's no, no. getting burnt today <laughs> he's like okay i know i haven't really conveyed this well by focusing my miracles on like talking dogs but the main deal with my religion is forgiveness so we're gonna forgive and we're not gonna burn anyone they look at him skeptically forgiveness <laughs> and then he brings you know he brings the dead senator back to life for realsies so then everyone you know converts for what the fuck that's worth <laughs> he's the last person they saw do a magic trick so they're christians for the time being without um, knowing anything about scripture or even the basic tenets yeah. of christianity <laughs> um and he's going around rome healing everyone people are uh donating all their money to the church Simon keeps going around and doing fake miracles, and he decides he's going to go hard on this cadaver puppet thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but now everybody's laughing at him. They don't. They don't believe him. They understand that it's just a trick. Until finally, he says, "He worked on that illusion for like twenty years." I know. Well, it's probably pretty hard. I mean, to make like an actual dead person who's just brought to you like yeah. seem alive. Um, he finally says, "You guys think Peter's so great? Well." Tomorrow, I'm going to show that his God is false by ascending into heaven to be with the real God. I think this might be a Gnostic reference. Mm. I think this might be the like the real God, the real heaven. But it's confusing because even a Gnostic would believe in the divinity of Jesus Christ. While Simon goes hard on yes, but the, saying that he's a mundane but Jesus Christ. But this is Christ. the proto-Orthodox some summary oh, I of see. Gnostic views. I see. They're so, demonizing these Gnostics yeah. by saying they don't even believe that Christ was divine. Yeah. I see. Misrepresenting the views of their enemies. I know. Who like who would ever do that? Um, so this huge crowd assembles and Simon's just like, All right, you guys ready? I'm blast off to heaven now. Mm-hmm. And boom, he fucking shoots starts flying into the sky. I'm not sure <laughs> <laughs> what sleight of hand he's using here. How, what um, kind of what kind of flying do you imagine here? Let me give um, you some possibilities. Okay. Superman, take off. Hands, one, hands, one fist. One, one fist uh-huh. or two two fists, depending. Okay. Um, What about Hong Kong wire foo flying? 
Um, this is like flapping your arms or? No, no, no. They they sort of like do a little. Oh, Hong Kong wire foo. I get it. I get it. Yeah, yeah. I get it. So like a karate pose just. Well, karate's from Japan. But... Okay. You're right. A wushu pose. Yes. Yes. A wushu <laughs> pose while getting dragged by a wire. Okay. Or? Um, what about like a, like a crappy digital effect hover where you're just sort of standing there and then you just sort of float up? <laughs> what I'm picturing is, um, you know that old YouTube video about George Washington? Um, Washington. Washington. Yes, of course. Brad Neely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, there's that one frame of him like shooting into the sky in a rainbow. Yes. That's what I'm picturing. Perfect. You, that was correct, by the way. It was a, <laughs> Thanks. It was a stealth, stealth quiz. <laughs> and Peter is actually kind of shook. He's he's like he's like it says like I think that he, boy can fly. It says he like views the incredible spectacle. I think is the words mm. that my translation used. Um, and so he starts praying, and he's like, "Dear Jesus, you know these people are idiots who change their mind instantly." For some reason, you've deemed it important <laughs> that we convert these idiots. And so please make Simon the Sorcerer fall out of the sky. Don't kill him because I know we're not about that. But have him break his leg in three places. Yeah, just make him fall and break his leg in three places. So, of course, Simon then falls and breaks his leg in three places. And even more people convert to Christianity, including some new character we've never seen before and don't care about and won't see again. (laughs) And then uh, Simon gets some people to carry him to a friend's house. And it says... Oh, I love this part so much. <laughs> Does yours have it like it's like an epilogue? I, I want I want to read this. Okay, this okay. is like this is like the end of a like a high school movie where yes. it's like Simon grew up to be an orthodontist. Yes! That's and exactly what I thought it was like. Okay, what does yours say? It says Simon, in his affliction, found some to carry him by night on a bed from Rome unto Aresia, and he abode there a space, and was brought thence unto Terracina to one Castor that was banished from Rome up on an accusation of sorcery. And there he was sorely cut, Latin, by two physicians. And so Simon, the angel of Satan, came to his end. So he died from, like, sorcerous malpractice. Okay, here's here's mine. Okay. Mine is even more like a movie. Go. Following an operation, Simon, the messenger of the devil, ended his life. <laughs> That's great. So... He brought low by his own sorcerous ways. Yes. So Simon's gone, but we're not done yet. Mm. We still got like 10 chapters to go. And although this is an anti-Gnostic text, we get something very much like we saw in the Gnostic Acts of Thomas. Totally. The rest of this is like very borderline weirdo Gnostic yeah, stuff. Um, which is that Peter starts telling women to be chaste and not to have sex with their husbands. Um, I, I kind of got the idea. I may be just misinterpreting this, but... Um, the men have multiple wives here, which in this version of Rome they appear to have multiple consorts. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know, I don't think that was a real thing. I, I don't have no know. Idea. Um, but he seems to be more about like, oh, you can't have multiple wives, and telling the wives to be chaste. But then he also says like, it all, no, I mean the because the wives come to him as well as the consorts. Everybody, yeah. everybody comes to him, and it's just. He starts, and it does say some husbands come to him too. And he starts an anti-sexual revolution yeah. in Rome, and I tell you what, that is going to make people angry. Like, yeah. did he not read the Gospel of Thomas? Yeah, so it's much, just going to make it's just going to make an angry crowd of sexually frustrated men yes. come after you. <laughs> much like in the Gospel of Thomas, all the husbands get mad that their wives won't have sex with them anymore, 
including the prefect Agrippa, who mm-hmm. like judged the match. And um, they they get real mad and they decide to kill Peter. And this is maybe the strangest part of the book, I would say. You think stranger than a talking dog? <laughs> I mean, that talking dog was great. But this is weird. This is like not kind of kooky. I think this is just very strange. Yeah. Okay. So, so Peter's friends all tell him, you know, like, yo, run and get out of Rome because these guys are going to kill you. Mm-hmm. Um, even though they would definitely stop being his friend in one second if they met Chris Angel. <laughs> and Peter's like, no, actually, I'm here to get crucified. That's God's plan for me. I had a vision of Jesus. Um, again, I didn't really convey this very well with the talking dog fricks, but like crucifixion's kind of a big deal in this new religion that you're all sworn to. And they're like, really? So it's, about, <laughs> it's about forgiving people who do wrong to you and getting killed like a thief on the street. Right. <laughs> uh-huh, great. No okay. wonder you didn't leave with Where's that Where's the stuff. rest of the dogs? Yeah. <laughs> so the soldiers come and arrest him. They bring him to the cross and, you know, very much in a parallel t- to Jesus, he's like, you know, God's will be done. Um, forgive the people crucifying me. They know not what they do. This is part of God's plan. Um, and he says, I just want to request that I be crucified upside down. Uh, for whatever reason, they honor his request and they crucify him upside down. And while he's hanging there upside down, he explains why he wanted this. Which is for like multiple overlapping slash contradictory symbolic reasons, such as uh, Jesus fell head down to earth. Uh, the word of the Lord is upright, but the nature of man is upside down. Well, Jesus came out of the womb head first, right? Oh, is that it? Mine says like fell to earth head first. Yeah, I think that's what it means. Oh, okay. Yeah, he just, it's like a new type of birth. Right. And whatever. Um, it's see. I'm surprised that you're just that you're not you weren't as weirded out by this as I was. Well, I'll tell you why in a second. Okay. So, well, let me just explain my feelings yeah. before you railroad me. Please, please. <laughs> I look forward to railroading you, but I'll allow you to have your say first. I mean, it's very strange. First of all, anytime somebody becomes a martyr, it's like it, sh- it should be a a momentous decision. But this one feels very rote in a certain way. Like, it's not going to prove anything to anybody. He doesn't need to be. These people aren't interested in that. No. His people, his people <laughs> yeah. this is not going to like save Christians or do anything good. This is just, he's just going to die for no reason. Second of all, he has to be crucified upside down and then gives this weird mystical speech. Yeah. Where he's like talking about the mystery of God. Yeah. And do, like, and also very much sounds notice... like the blood has run to his head and he is starting <laughs> to lose consciousness. Did you notice that he, he quotes Jesus as saying, um, unless you make the right as the left and the left as the right. And the top is the bottom and the front is the back. You shall not know the kingdom of heaven. That's right. So that's a quote that we've only seen in Gnostic texts. Mm-hmm. But this is an anti-Gnostic text. So like he's talking about some secret knowledge. Yeah. And... Or just like weirdness. I don't know. He's talking about like inverting the order of the world, I guess. Right. Which is, it seems like a very radical thing. It seems like a very radical and spiritual and mystical thing to happen out of nowhere in this book about what is essentially a magic competition. Yeah. Um, that's true. That's true. Um, but are you familiar with the upside down cross? Uh, I mean, the fact that it's, you know, metal and cool. Yeah. So, so listeners, you may be familiar with the upside down cross from heavy metal or punk or like 
horror movies. Okay. Or the um, Satanist church, I think, uses that symbol. Uh, well. Maybe. Uh, yeah, as like an anti-Christian yeah. um, symbol. But before that, it was the cross of St. Peter or the Petrian cross. Oh. Um, Patreon. Hey, everybody. <laughs> quick reminder. And so this is, you know, obviously Peter's upside down crucifixion is not in the canonical Bible, but it is a longstanding Catholic tradition, probably starting with this text or a similar text. Um, and it's also Catholic tradition that Peter's, you know, like the first pope. Mm-hmm. Um, so you will sometimes see a pope with an upside down cross for, you know, like as a as a necklace or on their clothes or on their you know, furniture or whatever. As a lapel pin. Yeah. Honestly. Tie clip. <laughs> Honestly. Belt buckle. Um, And then people on the internet will say that it's proof that the Pope was the Antichrist. Got it. Or the Illuminati or whatever. Right. So the the upside down crucifixion is actually something I'm pretty familiar with. Mm. Um, Even though it's from the Catholic tradition, but I'm aware of it just from internet weirdos. Some of my best friends are internet weirdos. Yeah, including me. Mm-hmm. By the way, baby, you're one of my best friends. Oh, thanks. That's good because we're married now. Mm-hmm. Does a little more praying, a little more preaching, upside down. Finishes with an amen. The crowd responds amen, and he dies. A little more praying and a little more screeching. Also very parallel to Jesus in this version, it's uh, Marcellus, the senator, who takes it upon himself to take Peter down from the cross, which normally like people who are crucified just rotted on the cross and were right. eaten by vultures mm-hmm. um, or by dogs talking or otherwise. Um, Christians again. <laughs> he buries it's him a living. in his family tomb with the requisite like 50 pounds of myrrh that, that you saw in one also, of the gospels. He wraps him in like seven layers of the finest cloth yeah. and then packs his coffin with honey. Yeah. I'm like, Honey? I mean, isn't yes. the honey going to rot? Well, no. No? Honey is like the only food that never rots. What? Yeah. Why didn't nobody tell me this? Yeah. In like Pharaoh's tombs, they have jars of honey that people have excavated that are like 4,000 years old and they're not rotten. What? Yeah. Honey is like the only food that doesn't rot. What? Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Why didn't you tell me this? I don't know. You never asked. It was so it's it, on you to tell me this kind of stuff. It actually was. Here I am looking like an idiot not knowing that honey doesn't rot. It actually was like a common thing to use in burials because it's the only food that doesn't rot. Oh. Although I imagine it would attract bugs. Now I want some of that 5,000-year-old honey. <laughs> What's that forbidden honey taste like? Do you, I know. I wonder if it gets like crusty, you know, and you have like little plastic bear mm-hmm. honey and it gets kind of gross. You have to microwave no, it. No, but that, stuff, that stuff's crap, though. This is like... It had to be like organic local honey. That's all they had. And you know, you they wouldn't put some shit honey in there. This is like from the freshest, right, right, right. most delicious flowers only. Right. Um. Gotta get some of that forbidden honey. <laughs> it's corpse honey. It's ancient honey. The honey of the damned. <laughs> Maybe it's honey from another world. Think about what the world was like 5,000 years know. ago. I know. Think about what bees were like. Those bees. They gotta be so sweet. But so okay, this this mirrors what happens to Jesus in mm-hmm. the Gospels, um, but in this book, for some reason, Jesus or no Peter appears to Marcellus like a vision of him after death and says, "Don't like waste, a Jedi, yeah," and says, "Don't waste money on burial customs, which are Jewish anyway, and you're a Roman senator, so why are you doing this?" Um, Jesus said, "Let the dead bury the dead," mm-hmm. you know, so don't spend money on funeral rites. Not what happened in the Gospels, but okay. Well, Jesus was a special case. I, I mean, fair. Fair. 
it's also to set up the fact that he like rolled the rock out and you know set up the whole mystery of the the missing Jesus. Right, right, right. But if that's like a central part of the religion, and this is clearly meant to mirror that, mm. why would you then add this part in where it's like, oh, also this is bad? I don't know. I don't know. Oh. Maybe the author was like, Christian's getting too crazy with the burial with the funeral shit, rites. You know? They should be <laughs> donating that money to virgins and widows. Whatever. Only. Um, and then Virgins and widows? Says, that's what they focus on a lot in this. Yeah. So, Those are the only good women because they're not having sex. Right. Yeah. Well. <laughs> anyway, the Emperor Nero, uh, who as a historical figure probably did persecute Christians, uh, is mad at Agrippa, the prefect, for crucifying Peter because Nero wanted to crucify Peter himself. So he decides to make himself feel better by trying to, to kill all Christians, but then he has a vision where someone hits him and tells him, quit that. And then he stops, and that's the end of the book. Quit your persecuting. Quit your persecuting. And yeah, that's the end of the book. Not a great ending to the book. Not, no, not not stellar, I wouldn't say, no. Like our favorite character, Simon, died pages before. Yeah. I mean, my favorite character, the talking dog, died even before that. <laughs> R.I.P. talking dog. <laughs> talking baby is hopefully doing well. Most babies talk. Learning speech at a, an appropriate rate, hopefully. Of course. Wink. <laughs> Should we write this book? Yes, let's write this book. Baby, how would you rate this book? I'm going to give this one seven out of eight snorcerers. Okay. Um... Because this has got everything you want <laughs> in some crazy old piece of junk. Uh-huh. Um, it's the plot actually like has nice peaks and valleys. And mm-hmm. It builds and and changes a little bit. Economy of statues, notwithstanding. Notwithstanding, I mean they hadn't invented that literary law back then. <laughs> no, that's true. <laughs> they didn't know anything about literature back then. That's true. Well, some people did. Some people didn't. Anyway. This one has got lots of wackiness and strange miracles, um, but it also, I don't know, it has it has some stuff that stuck with people for a long time, it seems like. Like the, like the upside down cross, cross stuff, mm-hmm. and the historical element of it is rather interesting, you know, like it might be a hit piece on Gnostics or whatever, but mm-hmm. it doesn't work at all, yeah. which makes it better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was going to give it seven out of nine upside down crosses. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty similar to yours. Um, very entertaining, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, the, <laughs> the absolute lack of theology mm-hmm. is is like well, that's a winner. Is almost uh, ostentatious. It's, it's very, almost it's like very charming in the folktale way. You know, <laughs> it's almost like purposefully not using any theology it's just like hey you gnostics think you got wacky shit we got wacky shit who cares we can do magic tricks anyway whatever which makes sense because the people in the uh in the story are not told anything about theology and are not convinced by theology no they don't and they don't know anything and they're pledged to jesus without knowing anything except that a smoked tuna fish came back to life it's an interesting metatextual point that we like it because it's all razzle dazzle and the idiots in the book in rome (laughs) are like only all about the razzle as well. You're absolutely right. We are those idiots. <laughs> um, 
I mean, hey, we're not giving our us. thousands of gold pieces so that he yeah, can that's true. shack up with some fucking widows and virgins. That's here. We're true. just having a good time in our own home just reading a Bible. We don't have any pieces of gold. <laughs> well, I mean, you may not. <laughs> I've got my emergency gold. Oh, buried in the freezer or whatever? Buried in the freezer? Yeah. Are you unbanked? Oh, that's a very personal question. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's move on to some other personal questions and uh, dive in the mailbag. Our listener Sean wrote in about our Philippians episode where our guest Dr. Chris Stroop, a.k.a. Stroopy, talked about Stroop. smashing blasphemous items. I think in his email he said he wrote in to talk about that episode where the guy smashed all of his cool yeah. stuff when he was a kid. <laughs> where he took his stuff to Smashville, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Sean says that at his church, they did a bonfire where they burned things, quote, that might be leading us away from a Christ-like life, end quote. He burned about 10 CDs, and apparently the smell was terrible. <laughs> I, ne- we, I never had anything like that at my church. Um, listener Maggie wrote in and said, one of the wacky and scarring things about evangelicalism uh, that I'm surprised you haven't gone into any detail about on the show is prayer circles and she included a link to a clip by a comedian i've never heard of before named angela johnson um and it's a joke about like the gossipy prayer request like hey everyone prayer circle um so and so is pregnant so we need to pray for her (laughs) um it was a pretty good bit i would say at my church it was more common to do like um you would do a prayer request that was like cryptic but it was about yourself okay so you would be like you know, like, I just want to ha- uh, uh, have everybody pray for, like, my friend who's going through something that I can't talk about, <laughs> you know, and it would be like, oh, like, what's the drama? Like, what is this person going through? But you would just, you know. <laughs> so yours were just bad gossip. They were like. Unsatisfying gossip. Yeah. They were like peak your curiosity gossip. Mm-hmm. They weren't like trying to draw attention to other people's faults they were trying to make people wonder more about you and your life and what you were going through yeah i would say so prayer circles are just inherently selfish exercises um or do you think when any group of people gets together they're gonna talk about themselves (laughs) i mean yeah both (laughs) both our listener melina asked us to curse her cat patterson quote especially after he clawed the shit out of me when my apartment's fire alarms went off and I stuck him in his carrier and carried him down five flights of stairs because I didn't want him to burn to death. Now, that's a fucking ungrateful, ungrateful little, wretch. little cat. Catterson. Included was a picture of a very smug and cute cat. That cat knows what it did. Cat looks like he knows exactly what he, knows he did. exactly what he did. And he doesn't give a shit either. So, to you, Catterson, I say... It's Patterson. It's Catterson. <laughs> Christ shall punish your iniquities, which you have done with imperishable fire, and you shall be in outer darkness. Friend of the show, Cam, also wants us to curse her cat, Tuna, but I feel bad because Tuna has um, cat HIV and is moving to a new home, and so I feel like Tuna's already been cursed. But luckily for me, this this Bible book has a verse about tuna specifically (laughs) so i'm going to do something which is not it's a first on this show it's not a blessing and a last i don't have the authority to bless a a cat biblically because that would go against nature and against god's will but i i do have a non-curse bible verse for tuna and it goes like this tuna in the presence of all these 
live and swim like a fish. Codspeed, Tuna. <laughs> but that will do it for today's Sunday School Dropouts. Dropouts. If you like the show, or even if you don't, you should follow us on Facebook and on Twitter. We are at Drop On both. And if you are a kind and generous soul, you might consider giving us a little five-star review on iTunes, like... Odellian, who gave us 10 out of 10 whining Pauls and said, you'd think that the content of the Bible has been hashed out by now, but you'd be wrong. Or you could be like McDaniel Downs 3, who said, sunglasses emoji, thumbs up, 100 emoji. Hell yeah, three supportive emojis. Uh, you could also be like 7-7 Music Love, who gave us 15 out of 10 poorly behaved child Jesuses. Or you can be like Wilhelmina Slayher. Who gave us 100 out of 100 not lost sheep and said our discussion really helped her understand, her or him, understand it. The Bible, that is. I made a mess of that, but no, we're going to keep going. No, I, I underlined the it. commentary on the Bible has been more illuminating than most Bible study classes I have ever attended, especially when they bring in expert guests. I really, I'm really happy to hear that somebody likes the expert guests. <laughs> the expert guests are so cool. They're great for us, but we spend a lot of time like doing this. And but so I just look. Like, we're Bible nerds at mm-hmm. this point, but anyone listening to the show is also a Bible nerd. So does that mean we're friends now? <laughs> uh, you and I. Sure. Yeah, I think it's pretty well established we're friends. Yeah, oh, that's so great, guys. I just made a new friend, and. You can follow that friend on Twitter at Lauren E. O'Neill. O'Neill spelled like Shaquille spells it. We want to thank Elise Carlton for our logo and original art. And of course, I thank Nico for his sound engineering, editing, and music skills. And you can follow his musical exploits on his website at nicobakulich.com. That's N-I-K-O-B-A-K-U-L-I-C-H.com. Dot com. We will be back next week with more Sunday School Dropouts. Thanks for bearing with us. We took a a week off last week um, to deal with serious real-life business. Mm, Yeah, (laughs) why not? But that's over with. We have no more real life anymore. It's strictly Bible life. (laughs) So we'll be back next week. We love you very much, and we're proud of you every day. You get up and do what you gotta do. My name is Nico Bakulich. I'm Lauren O'Neill. And we'll see you on Sunday. Bye. Bye.